Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're heading back into the MCU to talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, a third in the series of the Ant-Man movies and a 30-something in the series of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's a lot of these movies, and things are getting weird here, uh, but we're going to try to figure some things out as we get into the conversation. Joining me is filmmaker Rick Ives, who actually has worked on a bunch of these Marvel movies and the Marvel shows, so it's really awesome to have him here on the show. We have a great conversation, a lot of great puzzle pieces we get into, so that's coming up here in a second. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. You can, of course, find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Good Pods, wherever you're listening right now. Make sure you're subscribed. We have our live episode on Cocaine Bear, which uh, at the time this goes up, we'll have just recorded last night. It will be up on the feed next week, so uh, I'm sure it was a lot of fun. I'm recording this in advance, of course, Uh, but lots of episodes on the way, so make sure you're subscribed. You could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And don't forget, we do have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, from Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. So lots of great stuff over there. It's patreon.com slash bydavidrosen. We appreciate the support. And with that said, let's try to figure out this Ant-Man movie. All right, we're going back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and joining me today, we've got Filmmaker Rick Ives to talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which is quite a mouthful of a title. Rick, how are you doing? Great. Here we go. Put on your tiny little miniature seatbelts because it's mm-hmm. going to be a ride. <laughs> so, sometimes they're tiny. Sometimes they're very, very big. And uh, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It just depends on how big you want to be in that particular moment. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, we'll get into uh, Quantumania and everything about the film as we're going. But before we do, it's your first time on the show. Yes. Uh, tell my listeners a little about you and what you do. Oh, thank you. Uh, Rick Ives. I am a independent filmmaker and also assistant editor who works on a lot of these Marvel movies that you have seen before, many of which you've probably talked about on here. Uh, yeah. Not this one, not Ant-Man, but not yet. I've been in the industry for 10 plus years, and um, my side gig is doing editing of low-budget features, so I kind of have both a foot on both worlds where I do edit. I'm the editor on low-budget features and 
assistant editor on the big time stuff. And then um, just recently, I, I wrote, directed, edited my own indie feature that we're going to talk a little bit about today. But sure, um, we can get into that later. Is that it? Yeah. What, what else you want to know, Dave? Tell me. That, that, I mean, it sounds like you, you know, you kind of summed yourself <laughs> up in a nice little way there. And yeah, you know, we'll, we'll talk about more about those things that you do. Um, neglected to mention, fan of the show. Uh, I oh, think it's a well, great format. You. I love the banter. I love all the guests <laughs> that you guys have on. So yeah, thank you for, for contributing to, you know, my entertainment. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'm, I'm glad you enjoy the show and hopefully we'll get some of that banter going and hopefully we'll figure out this movie and we'll also talk about your movie in a little bit. So first of all, I, I felt like we should start this off by me saying, because look, I, I've kind of been vocal about this on Twitter and stuff. Like I was kind of disappointed with this movie. Yeah. That that being said, the Ant-Man movies are my favorite Marvel movies. Oh, okay. I love cool. I love the character. I love Paul Rudd. I love the lightheartedness of right. these movies versus right. some of the other ones. I, I just don't know why Ant-Man is the character to thrust all of the weight of the next 10, 12, whatever gotcha. Marvel movies on, gotcha. you know? Gotcha. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. How did you feel about the the way that this one was um, kind of constructed as this cornerstone of, of phase five, so to speak? Yeah, that definitely was interesting. I haven't really thought about an answer to a question like that. You had told me ahead of time that you weren't the biggest fan of this one so far. I'm still mm -hmm. trying to kind of process. I just watched it yesterday, how I landed on it. Um, yeah. I didn't hate it. Yeah. Uh, there are other movies out there, even in the MCU, that I actively disliked while I was, while I was watching them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sure. So that can yeah. happen. But I wasn't yeah. there. I was confused a little bit um, during <laughs> some parts. Yeah. And at the very least, I was like, I'm not really sure why this is happening right now, but I'm entertained enough to be taken along for the ride i guess yeah as far as answering your question how did it feel putting all this weight on this character because literally and figuratively he's like the smallest avenger right <laughs> yes there you go absolutely <laughs> um i don't know i don't know how i feel about that let's get into that because we're going to talk a little bit about kang as we go i think yeah, and and they they basically uh, used my beloved Ant Man uh, as almost like a little platform for Kang to step up on and announce himself. And well, fill me you know, in. Did this you, is it. Did you do you watch the Disney Plus shows? I I don't, but I okay. I've I've watched a couple episodes here and there. Like basically, you know, everybody's constantly talking about them week to week. And right. if an episode comes up that everyone's like, you have is to important. see this episode, I jump in. Yeah, I, I've, okay. I'm kind of terrible at catching TV. Okay, so, so a lot of the episodes. a lot of the uh, the credits that I have were on the Disney Plus shows. Right. And this, I don't know, maybe you don't know, but this is not the first time we've seen King so far. Right. I've seen the, uh, that first okay. one on the Loki show. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So that was yeah. one of my credits was that one. That one I had to keep seeing right for a while actually. But, um, yeah, I bet. So it's sort of interesting and we could talk about this later too, but what King are we watching right now? <laughs> right. <laughs> because right. I think it's a different one in Loki as is, is in this movie. And, you know, from the end credits, there's more, but. It's sort yeah. of an interesting idea that you have one named bad guy and yet there are many of them and we're going to be exploring, you know, what that might mean. I'm guessing. I don't know. Sure. Sure. What, sure. And, and a different kind of villain, maybe. Right. It is a different kind of villain. And I think that's kind of perfect for this whole multiverse thing, which they're hanging everything on at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I and we'll we'll talk about this more as we're getting into puzzle pieces. But um, I, you know, I have a little bit of a problem with the whole multiverse stuff because mm. the stakes just get kind of reduced to mm. a zero right, when right, anything right. can happen. When Kang can get beaten by Ant Man of all people, but he'll be on the next one, and everything's leading up to more Kang battles. Right. You know, so it's I weird. have to imagine they're going to go the route of a a hundred or a thousand or a million are just as power, you know, are more powerful. It's that's something that we can't overcome. You know, Thanos sure. was just one big bad. How do you defeat yeah. him? And maybe if you have a million lesser bads that's equal to one <laughs> big bad or something like that. How the math works, I don't know, but Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I they'll figure it out, I'm sure. And, and obviously it's making tons of money. It, it's people are happy even if I wasn't 100% happy. But um what you talk about though is interesting on on the as far as stakes go cuz you're right. When you mm. open the world up to anything not only is possible but is happening. Yeah. What are the what are the stakes then? Because if it goes right here, it went wrong a hundred ways somewhere else. Or if it goes wrong here, it went right somewhere else. So who cares? <laughs> right, exactly. And this is like, this is my problem. It'll actually be a big part of my first puzzle piece. But you are the guest on the show. And I always go with the guest first. So what do you have for your first oh, puzzle nice. piece? Let's get okay. into it. All right. I kind of have these in an order of maybe smaller discussion towards bigger discussion. If you cool. do If you do something like that. But okay. Yeah. First puzzle piece. Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. Have you seen this sure. movie? Sure. I, I watched it once way back when it came out. Yeah, this has yeah. been on my rewatch list for a while now. It's come up on the show a bunch of times, and I, oh, okay. I need to revisit it. Yeah. So 2004 was the release. I can't believe it's been that long. Uh, yeah. Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow, for the listeners who don't know, this is the very first all blue screen movie, or very yeah. first all green screen movie. And uh, it shows, but I think part of it's intentional, right? It's a throwback sure. to old like 1940s serial comics. So it's supposed yeah. to kind of look like retrofuturism and you know sci-fi as it as we thought of it in 1940s and 50s. So it's sort of the tone of it anyways. But um you know it looks like a cartoon and more and more and more it just to me it feels like of all the criticisms of Marvel so many of them look more and more like a cartoon to me. <laughs> Does that make right, sense? Right. No, that that makes total sense. And I, I'm glad you're starting with this because this is another thing about the movie. And like I said, I'll get into my multiversal issues with my next puzzle piece. But another thing with the movie is the effects, the the look of it all. Like I, I think you know when you're the 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 quantum realm is a cool diversion in the mm -hmm. previous ant-man movies when you spend the whole time in the quantum mm -hmm. realm mm -hmm. what does any, what does anything mean you know right. what what is big what is small what is up what is down what are you and even like, looking at are these things it, like amoebas or single cell yes. organisms or are they even smaller exactly. than that or are you someplace completely different it makes yeah. it really difficult and like sky captain used that to create a really cool visual way of storytelling Whereas this, I, I just, I'm not quite sure what the, uh, the, the end game to use a Marvel pun, but you know, for something like this now, I know you, you know, some of the things that you worked on, like you worked on the Mandalorian that used some of these, like the, the all around CGI sets and all right, that, right. like, and I, I know that that's like a big thing about the effects of this is that they used those kind of sets. That's actually a big thing here in Las Vegas. We opened a couple of those studios mm -hmm. and I know they're putting a lot of uh, money into that here. Are, is that technology going to mesh better? Like, do, do you think that it can be made to where everything doesn't kind of feel like a big cartoon and actually 
has some weight to it? Well, here's the thing that that I think the problem is it's we we're over engineered and we're trying so hard to show you something you've never seen before that it all kind of turns mm. into the same thing, <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. Because <laughs> sure. when when anything is possible, how do you rein that in? You know, part of yes. what makes 80s, 90s action movies so great is they were just getting to the computer technology to do things that are impossible. But mm-hmm. most of it was still really grounded. You know, you had right. to do it in a way. I mean, Jurassic Park still looks amazing because sure. they had to really think about how are we going to do this in a way that makes it look real. Yeah. But when you're just have when and Sky Captain is the same thing. When you have your two actors, the whole movie standing on a ground, you know, next to each other and nothing around them, you know, in real life. Yeah. You have a lot of imagination to be able to fill that stuff. And sure. eventually it's like, well, what are we even looking at any <laughs> anyways? It's just yeah. like colors and shapes and Yeah. There's it's almost gone too far, if that makes yeah. sense. I'm all for using blue screen. Yeah, me, me too. It's CGI. I mean, I love Avatar. You know, like, sometimes you sometimes you have to do it, and it makes sense if you yeah. can't afford to fly your whole production around the world to go to a desert. Put one out sure. the window. You know, that's fine. <laughs> or if you're in space, you're gonna put you know a green screen out the window, and it's gonna be space. But yeah. man, when the ev- literally everything that you're looking at is created, see, Avatar is an interesting one because it's the same thing. It was all created, but I think that it was. You know, for better or for worse, if you like the Avatar movie or not, and its simplicity, but it what it still stayed kind of grounded, right? There are rules in sure. this world. There's gravity, and there's water, and there's earth, and people have to walk around and hold their breaths, and you know, you still have to follow rules that we understand. And it made more yeah. sense to see a sunset. Well, we know what that means, even though it's on a different planet. But yeah, man, it was it became confusing to say the least yeah. for me I, I, <laughs> in the quantum I, world. I, I watch. I watch Avatar and I'm like, I can imagine that those Navi probably had to build that bridge that they're walking over sure, right now. Sure, sure. I watch Ant Man and I'm like, no, this was just painted. Like, who put period. this together? Like, <laughs> yeah, nobody made any of this. You know, <laughs> nobody made the decision to put that building there, that living, breathing building. Like, it's just, yeah, it's just anything can happen at any moment. But uh, I, I, I feel like a, a bunch of those technological attempts at leaps will come up in my other puzzle pieces mm, too. But okay. like, well, give me one. Let's. Yeah, let, let's go to my, my multiversal one. Uh, the, I, I joked on Letterboxd that this would be my first puzzle piece if I ended up covering this uh, movie, and that's going to be the Cloverfield Paradox from 2018. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> so were you one of the ones who watched this right after the Super Bowl that night? Yes. I Me watched too. it right away. Me too. I was, I was so, so hyped excited. on it. I kept, because so I'd heard about this movie coming out. In fact, I was in Los yeah. Angeles when they were shooting it, and I had some coworkers who had gone to set and then, oh that's the god oh, wow. particle that might be a cloverfield movie you know there's whispers about yeah. this happening and when it finally landed oh man i was hyped on it and now tell me what did you think and <laughs> it absolutely took away all possible stakes of my beloved cloverfield oh, no. be trilogy because <laughs> yeah. now it doesn't matter what happened in the other movies it doesn't matter what happened anything could happen and right. that is I don't think that fits well with storytelling. I I guess it's a comic book thing and it works in comic books because everybody wants to just have an endless stream of of comic books. And so I could see where that would work. But when it comes to a movie, I want to know there's some big threat and that threat, if they don't, 
if they don't save the day, yeah, like big uh, stakes, the stakes are there's real. big stakes. Nothing matters after the Cloverfield paradox, like JJ Abrams and, 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 uh, the director of who I can't remember isn't Jules something, but they said like, Oh yeah, no, nothing matters. Like we're just, anything could happen from these two hours and forget about it. And I feel like that's what they did with Quantumania here. And it's like, yeah, there are things to like about both movies. I, I wouldn't say that it's a complete misfire on either, uh, case, but the problem being that it, it, it throws continuity out the window. Right. Uh, interesting. So I think it might be too early to tell where they're going with this. I really want to trust Marvel that they have it all mapped out and figured out in a way that is going to work for us. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I think we just don't know. So we can only yeah. talk about this movie as it is. And I think you're right. When you introduce those stakes or the fact that stakes don't exist anymore, you're in tricky territory. So while we're talking about this, can I bring up my next puzzle piece? Go for it. Let's okay, so it. I've got another one that deals with multi-dimensional stuff, and it's called Mister Nobody. Oh, have I you heard seen this? this? Okay, no. The year was two thousand nine, starring a young Jared Leto before he was the mm. Joker. Before he may have been Prefontaine already at this point. Uh, so this okay. is a interesting multi-dimensional movie before it was a thing, really. Right. So I'll just give you like the brief setup for this: is he's a an old man far in the future it looks crazy sci-fi it would not feel you know totally different than the quantum realm maybe <laughs> actually okay. and he's thinking back on his life and he has this i don't even know how you would describe it power maybe or ability that he can see the different lives that he would have lived had he made different decisions so the whole okay. movie follows three different choices that he made throughout his life one was when his parents get divorced, he lives with his mom or with his dad. And then later on in life, he has a choice between two women that he is going to marry, either this one or this one. And so for the whole movie, you're switching back and forth between these three different possible lives. Mm. And he's trying to decide which one is going to bring him happiness. Sure. Kind of like Sliding Doors, the uh, Gwyneth Paltrow movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it all comes to the end and in a way that the old, the old him kind of knows that all of these are happening at the same time and he has to make a decision on which one it's going to be his life if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. So, that being said, I think there is a way to do multidimensional stories in a way that does still have stakes and the thing is the stakes have to be in a way smaller. It has to be personal, it has to be, you know, intimate with why the decisions are being made and what does that say yeah. about us as an individual or as a you know, as a people, whatever it is. So I want to have faith that they're going to go down that road and make it a personal story and make it mean something. Yeah. But we'll see. Yet to be decided. Yeah, we'll see. And they've certainly had plenty of success, both, you know, both financially and just people loving what they've done. And so there's no reason to think that they won't be able to figure it out. It's just, it's so hard to see at this point, but I'm sure that they will. But yeah, that, that's a great piece though. And uh, it, it sounds like an interesting movie. It's funny. I meant to look this up. I, the, there was a book I read when I was younger too that was all alternate histories. And I'm sorry, I don't have the title. Maybe I'll have to email you afterwards if I go find it. But there was a short story sure. in there about a detective living in a world where they had also discovered multidimensional you know, possibilities and they were taking technology yeah. and sharing it with other versions of themselves and it, the end of it was he looked at a gun and thought should i shoot myself in the head right now mm. because in one universe i am going to do that and in this one 
I'm not. But does it really matter? And it's the same question that you're asking. Like, if all of it is happening, then why do we care about this one? And that was the existential crisis of that story was (laughs) he was kind of trapped. Like, none of it really matters at all. Oh, the end. It's like a Black Mirror episode. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's all becoming. I mean, we know that the writer of this was uh, one of the Rick and Morty writers, and you know oh, everything right. was like Rick and Mortyish, and right. uh, all the different you know, possibilities. That, like, yeah, mind blowing stuff. But I'm going to combine a couple of puzzle pieces here because they they kind of uh, they kind of go in the same territory as your Sky Captain piece, and so I figure I'll uh, kind of throw these together in a way. I'm going to go with David Lynch's Dune adaptation, Ooh, okay, and I'm going to go with John Carter the failed Disney attempt to make a movie out of uh, the John Carter story. Yeah. Uh, Both of which are just like so out there and specific in their Mm sci-fi that it... They feel a little kind of gobbledygook, you yes. know, in like there's yes. just so much weird stuff going on. And uh, if you're not along for the ride, you're just gonna be lost. And I, I feel like with Quantumania, that's like kind of the problem where it's like if you're not like in on, oh, okay, this is just pure nonsense, just silliness um, with with these characters, with with this. Um, you know, this gloop character who's obsessed with how many holes he has right, and right. with, 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 with uh, uh, you know, uh, buildings that are living and, and like all this, just this weird crap being thrown at the screen. You know, you're just going to be so lost in not knowing what the hell's going on. But there's a lot of funny in all of that. And I, sure. I actually just rewatched John Carter for the first time. I know that movie was like a huge flop for Disney. Right, it was. I actually like John Carter, though. I do, too. I think it's I think pretty it, good. I think it, I think it's not that bad. We actually just covered it on uh, my other podcast, Awesome Movie Year, and because uh, we're covering 2012, so it's obviously the box office flop of the year. Yes, and totally. uh, yeah, and in rewatching it, I was like, yeah, man, this movie—it's ridiculous, but it's fun. And right. I think that they're going for some of that same thing. Like, like, come along for this ride. We promise you, it's going to be weird. But, it's going to be um, weird. It's going to be wild. You're going to see some crazy. Like yeah, fever dream stuff. <laughs> if you can vibe with us for just two hours, you're gonna maybe have a good time. Now I don't have that experience with David Lynch's Dune. Okay, I was I at the right age too, when actually. Sci-Fi Channel had their Dune, and I never read the books, but I I enjoyed that Dune for what it was because I it was my mm-hmm. first you know interaction with that property. Love the new Dune. And yeah. when I was in college, I went back and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna watch this old Dune movie, and wow, that movie is nuts. <laughs> It's bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. But there's some really like <laughs> charmingly weird effects in it that like yes. I think are like really fun to watch. Like it, that's the thing about movies from that era. It's like even if they're not necessarily good, they could have some like really fun stuff in there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh so, man, that's funny. Okay. Well, yeah. my next puzzle piece kind of is going to piggyback on that one, and it is not a okay. movie. This is a video game. You're a gamer. Uh, I have been off and on through okay. my life. I'm I'm ready. So I haven't since I had kids because there's just no time for that anymore one day. But one of my favorite franchises ever was Mass Effect. Oh, sure. Do you know this one? I, I do. I've, I've never actually played the games, but a lot of my friends have. And like I've heard of many aspects yeah. of it. It's like a, I guess they kind of focus on that you, the fact that you can make choices and those choices really matter like down the road, sure. even in the next game, because it keeps yeah. track of what you chose in number one for number two sure. and number three. But it takes a lot of uh, homage homage to Star Wars, Star Trek. It's yeah. basically big sci-fi, lots of different aliens. 
lots of different species, lots of different planets flying all over the galaxy. And I think it fits right in with your uh, John Carter and Dune. It's just all about world building. And in this case, yeah. though, Mass Effect is great. And I bet your listeners know that because it's so deep. Oh, yeah. And the lore of like each alien and each species and why they are the way they are. It's the opposite of what you were describing. Why did why did they have this here? Like who built this? It makes right. no sense. It's just here because they wanted it to be in the movie versus in Mass Effect series it's like very well thought out. Like right. these creatures look this way because of the like size of planet that they were on had a higher gravity so they evolved to be, you know, big and flat. <laughs> you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, every every aspect of world building is like really truly thought out and planned out and everything. And and yeah, I think that's a great one. And also, I don't know if you had Star Wars on your list. Um I did not I refuse like, to put it on put because it, it seems so yeah. obvious. <laughs> it's so obvious exactly. And yeah. so I think Mass Effect, I guess you could say John Carter is I mean, too... we have a straight up cantina band scene in this yeah. movie. Yeah, it's basically the cantina scene for about 90 minutes of the movie or something, or maybe like 80 to 90 minutes. But, uh, but yeah, no, Mass Effect is a good version of that, though. They wanted, they wanted to do the world building in this, but they just didn't, they was, they were trying to put too much in, I think. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of world, there's a lot of world to build and it's just, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to go to another puzzle piece because it deals with some of that, and uh, it's maybe too new to really be a puzzle piece. But, okay, um, interesting. I, I I thought it would fit anyway here, especially with the Disney connection. Uh, I wanted to go with last year's Strange World. Which oh, okay, all right. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I know it did not do very well at the box office. and um, Because people didn't even know it was coming out. It just happened. Yeah. Or what I, it was. Exactly. Or... It just... <laughs> It just kind of came, it was gone, and everybody said, what happened? <laughs> like, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, from, from uh, for your consideration, what happened? But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, it's a really fun movie, though, and when it goes into this, like, inside world where um, everything is just wacky and weird and super sci-fi, mm-hmm. um, it, it feels like we're doing the same thing with the quantum world here, and it's, uh, I you know... It's as weird, but everything kind of has a little bit more of a thought out feeling mm-hmm, to it mm-hmm, in Strange mm-hmm. World. Um, and, I, and I think that's why it kind of works a little bit better. I do think it's, it's, it's weird also in Quantumania. They kind of treat the quantum world as almost like a center of the earth kind of story, even mm. though technically it's not supposed to be that. It's, it's supposed to be shrunken down to, you know, micro nano whatever and Mm -hmm. and it's not inside the earth it's not below the earth but i think they even say that multiple times we're below the earth like multiple times in the movie and it's they're kind of like kind of getting that confused because i think there's it's just so complicated to build it out i don't know man (laughs) (laughs) i was wondering this multiple times like where are they are they really within an atom in the room that they shrunk down in Right. Or are they someplace else? And if it's so small, is this happening an infinite amount of places, like even in the one room? You know? Like what are the odds that right, gang landed right. here? A billion <laughs> of these per inch. It, it, it's it's a very uh I, I mean, I guess it would be tough to wrap your head around, but it also it straight up doesn't necessarily work if you doesn't think about sense. it, you yeah. know. But uh but yeah, I mean it's just an excuse to like create these magical fantastical well, the worlds late, and the, the later thing that marvel's been doing is they have all these different kind of layers right where you've got mm-hmm. in black panther you got the layer of like the ancestors where they live 
And then in Miss Marvel, you probably didn't watch, but they've got another layer that's like the Nor, the Nor, where Ooh. another race live, and you've got uh-huh. the, the quantum realm where these people live, and man, it's just strange. Like, and then you've got the multi, the, the multi universe where I guess all of those have these different layers. Also, man, I just don't know. I just don't know how it all fits together. <laughs> it's tough to keep track of. And like, here's the thing: like, I hope that people who grew up with these comics absolutely love yeah this movie. you <laughs> I know? know i hope i hope they love it but as a just a movie guy that has no clue what's going on same i never it, read the comics i have to believe this is this this is what it was always like right yeah, Where exactly just different stories have different rules and it's never really gonna all line up but we right. do the best we can <laughs> exactly <laughs> what do you have for your next piece uh let's see okay we've talked a lot about um multi-dimensional stuff we've talked a lot about visuals I want to talk about, okay, this one's going out there. Have you heard of The Harder They Fall? Ooh, okay. Uh, with, with Jonathan Majors and... Yes, that's it. Yeah. So this was a Netflix oh, yeah, movie. Great. It's a Western. Um, and really, I'm just going to turn your podcast now for a few minutes into the Jonathan Majors show because <laughs> yeah, I <sure. laughs> am buying up all the Jonathan Majors stock that I can right now. I think this guy is oh, going to yeah. be huge. The first time I saw him was in that Harder They Fall, and I was like, Holy cow, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. He's so good to me. Every line that he says, every facial like micro expression that he makes feels like he has the weight of the world on his shoulders in every character yeah. he plays. It's like, man, this guy is tough time just being alive. Every step he takes is work. <laughs> <laughs> every character he plays has the saddest backstory ever. And man, yeah. Um, same thing on uh if, I don't know if you watch that show. Lovecraft Country, same thing. I I haven't seen that, but uh, have you seen uh, the the Last Black Man in San Francisco? I haven't seen that one. That was the first time I saw him, and okay. he's so good in it. And yeah, I mean, it's just role after role. He is just absolutely killing. Um, it. He's in the new Creed, Creed Three. I've got yeah, a couple friends wait. who have worked on that movie while they were shooting it, and he said that Jonathan Major steals the show every time, every scene mm-hmm. that he's in, and. Man, he's so good. It almost makes me feel uncomfortable. Like, man, whoever has to be acting with him is at a disadvantage because I feel like he just overpowers. I think he's a great choice to play a big villain in a different way than maybe we've seen before. I'm excited to see where we go with it. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, And like you said, that that post credit scene, like it kind of it shows that he is going to really get to stretch his legs as this character. Um, How weird can we get? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, what the movies are going to look like, who knows? Hopefully, you know, a little better than this one, maybe. But, you know, he is going to get to do a lot of interesting stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, as as far as The Heart of They Fall is great. And I think underappreciated. Uh, I had so much fun with that movie. Man, it was so good. I sat down to watch it. I was like, yeah, I'm into I'm in for a Western right now. And I was hooked within the first five minutes. I, has it, that was one of that was one of the ones that you watch and you're like, man, has anyone seen this? Does anyone know about right. this movie? It's so good. Yeah, absolutely. That's the kind of movie totally that makes agree. me mad, actually, because that's man. I wish I could make something like that. <laughs> For sure. That's a first time sure. director, and dude, knocked it out of the park. <laughs> well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna combine a movie and a movie that uh, was inspired by that movie for my next piece here, uh, because why not? Uh, I'm going to go with The Wizard of Oz and Army of Darkness because it was its 30-year anniversary this week. So Yeah, okay. But, this is just like Wizard uh, of Oz, isn't it? 
Right? Yeah. I mean, Paul Rudd and his family in this case, but uh, get get sucked into this fantastical world. They have to meet up with all these new friends along the way. They have to return this magical doodad to be able to get home. Um, it's it's Wizard of Oz. It's Army of Darkness. It's a, a million other things that have used that story uh, kind of trope along the way. And, uh, oh, you know, it's a great way to structure a movie because you get to see this great world you get to see all these characters um just you know it doesn't always work out quite as well but it's a great yeah, nice i wonder if there's some wizard of oz easter eggs hidden in there there's oh, so I much to look it. at that i wouldn't doubt it yeah yeah totally interesting well what do you got for your next piece all right maybe you have never heard of this before but i'm talking about modok a little bit oh boy here we go so have you ever seen the movie called thumb wars <laughs> Do you remember that oh, one? Oh, is is this with um Steve Odekirk? So Steve Odekirk, yeah, the Kung Pao guy. Yeah, that's right. It was before Kung Pao. <laughs> yeah. Every oh time Modoc popped up on screen, all I could think of was Thumb Wars because it looked the ex- exact same. It was like a weird stretched face. And this is not. Human. I I, I, wa- I watched that like incredibly incredibly inebriated uh i I don't remember (laughs) any of it but i gotta rewatch it all right listen it's on youtube they just released a four i looked it up today there's a 4k version on youtube officially (laughs) released and it is ridiculous as ever and if you liked the character modok buckle up for some thumb wars because okay i know we weren't going to talk about star wars but it's basically star wars uh new hope and empire strikes back combined into a 30 minute short and yeah all the characters are thumbs and superimpose eyes and mouths, no noses, on their thumbs, and they go through basically the same thing Robot Chicken and Family Guy did with Star Wars, except <laughs> before yeah. any of that. Yeah, they they all do it eventually. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it's crazy. And every like I said, every time I saw Modog, all I could see was Thumb Wars. And I said, "Yeah, we're talking about Thumb Wars on this show. We have to." That's an incredible piece. <laughs> I, I'm so happy you brought that one up, and uh, a great reminder that I need to rewatch it. And uh, yeah, I, I'm such a big Kung Pao fan, so uh, I'm I'm all in on that. I can't wait for the sequel that's been promised for like 20 years now. But, oh, uh, I never heard that. Really? Yeah, it, he's been saying forever that he's going to do it, and it just it never seems to materialize. I don't know but... that I've seen a, a Odakirk thing in forever. Does no, he, he hasn't done anything? anything. Oh, okay. I don't think. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, let chilling. me ask you this before we move on to another one. Were you ready for mm-hmm. some Modoc butt? <laughs> I mean, was anybody in what that? Went, what went through Modoc your mind? Butt? First time we're uh, going to see nudity in a Marvel movie, and here it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> why not? Why not? You know, it, it's 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 a it's a good one. It's I a did good... a double take. Did I just yeah. see what I thought I saw? Man, that character. Okay, Let, let's talk about that for a quick second before yeah, we yeah, move on yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that, I think that deserves like a little tangent here. Like, um, <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what to do with that. Like, it was the it, comic relief, right? It's just supposed it was. to be like a goofy bad guy that we can all laugh at. I, I'm sitting here complaining about this movie a lot, and that's one thing I'm not going to complain about because Corey Stahl is great. And uh, <laughs> I'm it, glad they did just... a flashback because I wouldn't have even figured out who that was. <laughs> It's just so stupid, but uh, it's 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 kind of what I wanted, I guess, is even stupider. I I don't know. It, it kind of goes to show that maybe I don't know what I want out of Ant Man three, but uh, uh, if that worked, but some of the other stuff didn't, um, yeah, I don't know. It's such a weird character. It was so weird, and I loved just like how it looked visually because it was so bananas. Yeah. Oh man, 
<laughs> wow. Uh, I will go with, I sh you know what, I, I should have written down which one it is. It's one of the Matrix sequels when there's a, a million Mr. Andersons. Is it Reloaded or is it uh, re something or other? Is it Revolutions? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I was thinking about that. I was just wrote down Matrix sequels. I should have looked it up first. I'm, I'm bad at this. But uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> when we get uh, hundreds of thousands of Ant-Mans uh, for the, the big uh, yeah, sequence yeah. where he has to get the magical doodad thingy. Oh, yeah. Good one. Yeah. Oh, so you know what? That does happen. Thing. No, that does happen in Reloaded, and then it happens again. Okay. Because eventually Agent Smith takes over the whole Matrix, and it's all him. That's the okay. end of Revolutions. Yeah, yeah. There we go. So it's both sequels. I'm good. I, I'm, yeah, you're good. Look at that. I'm that was a kind of wild sequence, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was very weird, and I don't know. It, it, this. Okay, here we go. I'm, I'm complaining again. I don't want to sit here and complain about this movie, but uh, this is, again, when anything is possible, you see a sequence like that that should blow our minds. Mm -hmm. Like, how did mm -hmm. they do this with so many Paul Rudds? But it's like... You, they obviously can do anything at this point. Right, right. So yeah, it kind of tough. takes away a little bit. How do you one yeah. up yourself anymore? Because you've gone yeah. as far as you can. Right, exactly. They should pull back a little so that way moments like that and moments like Modoc, uh, you know, impact you a little. Um, <laughs> having one Baskin Robbins version of him mm. in there was cracking me up, though. That, that was good. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Paul Rudd is great, and and there's so much there, there's great Paul Rudd stuff in here, and that's what saved the movie for me. Really, like it, it's not that you know anybody else was bad necessarily. Uh, you right. know, he's uh, just so dang likable. He's just so good. Yeah. yeah, and and that's that's the main thing I went for is I want Paul Rudd in a big superhero movie, and so you, at least you do still get some of that, and so you know that still makes it a worthwhile. You know, watch, I'm wondering but... if it isn't. I'm wondering if it. What you love about Ant-Man is the fact that it's more grounded. It's like a more, this isn't a superhero movie. It's just like schmuck who fell into yeah. this. And there isn't a lot of superpower stuff. You know, the fight, right. the first one, the big fight is like on a kid's toy table. You know, that's the sure. kind of stuff that's fun. That and that and that's fun because you get to see the 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 comparison to to how big he gets, how small he gets, to mm -hmm, all those like mm -hmm, kids' toys and stuff mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. It like really plays with the concept of Ant Man. Well, know? it also plays with the concept of what's a third act of a Marvel movie because we're so used sure. to being punch punch kick kick. But what 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 about when you're with toys? <laughs> you know, it's kind of yeah. a, a joke on the whole thing. Yeah, but absolutely. now we're clearly into territory where it's like this is Thor. This is. You know, right, Guardians of well, the Galaxy. Well, this could have been Guardians of the Galaxy, exactly. Like you're saying, this could have been the next Guardians of the Galaxy storyline, but you know, instead we'll see what we get with that in a month. But um, you know, this would have fit perfectly with what they do. Right, so, right. So know. maybe it was just that it strayed a little too far from what Ant Man was yeah. supposed to be in the MCU. But yeah. Well, what do you have? Uh, I, I have one more piece. What, what oh, go for it. Time? I'm out. There you go. I will uh, throw in Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. Oh, Luke nice. Sci-fi. Uh, this kind of follows a lot of what we've already talked about, actually. You know, Star Wars, yep, of course, yep. but, you know, also Dune, also, uh, you know, uh, John Carter, Mass Effect, even, uh, the video and game yet, you brought up. Just so, so boring. Yeah, it just, <laughs> why couldn't they pull it? it? The visuals were incredible, and it has so many ideas to it. Yeah, it great ideas. doesn't quite land it. doesn't it's land like, it. But, I don't know. But man, this is boring. <laughs> I yeah, should be liking yeah. this so much. Yeah.
that's how i felt the whole time watching this movie i'm like why am i not uh just having so much fun i i i love trippy stuff in movies but why aren't i liking this but uh yeah it definitely feels a lot like valerian so uh yeah i I think that's a good uh list of puzzle pieces i'm gonna read down them and we'll get into some closing thoughts here but uh we talked about sky captain in the world of tomorrow the cloverfield paradox mr nobody dune john carter mass effect strange world the heart of they fall the wizard of oz and army of darkness Thumb Wars, The Matrix sequels, uh, and Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Um, I, you know, I think we get into just so many weird science fiction-y things that are just trying to build these crazy worlds out, and that is such a hard thing to pull off. So it's like, you don't want to, like, Peyton Reed is awesome. I love Peyton Reed, you know? You don't want to, like you know, put it down too much because it is a difficult thing to pull off when there's so much going on here. But I just don't think it all kind of came together. Right. Uh, It's tough, man. It's tough to make big budget movie, especially in this world where everything matters. You know, the studio is telling you, you got to fit this other stuff in because it matters for that. That was all the jokes that She-Hulk at the end was it's important we get right. these characters in because it matters for the for the next thing even though it doesn't matter to you right so it's tough <laughs> can i point out one more trope that always cracks me up in these sure uh it's when distance doesn't seem to make sense uh so right. like in, in independence day they jump into a plane and they fly around for a couple minutes and then all of a sudden they're in utah and you're like how did you get from la <laughs> to utah and like sure this one had a big one remember where she <laughs> turns around and she's like, take the tower. And you see the tower in the background. Yeah. And that tower was two miles away. Yeah. I guarantee. It had to have been. They're going to be running for 20 minutes <laughs> before they get there. It, it always it, cracks it, me up it, when they do stuff like that. Dude, why? Yeah. It's so fun. Like, what? It makes no sense. How are you going <laughs> to just run sense. there? <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a really tricky thing when you're in this kind of like nothing matters world. Like, yeah, it, things like that just don't work. But, uh, oh, man, I thought that was so funny. you know, the only other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, and, and really, uh, as much as I've complained on this episode, uh, the biggest problem with the movie, uh, where was Michael Pena? Um, how do you what, drop Michael Pena? Dude, it's what are we the, doing? It's here? the easiest layup. You got to have him yeah. here and you got to just do the joke over and over again. It's always funny. Put him in the post-credit scene and tell the story. That would have been fine. And it's just so silly. <laughs> what are we doing? What, yeah. what are we doing? My biggest, yeah. um, my biggest complaint probably was just Act Three. Like I, I think maybe I mentioned this earlier. Was I just didn't understand like what was happening? Mm-hmm. So he's trying to get the the thing so that he can teleport out of here. Why doesn't he just do it now? And right. Yet he's waiting, and we're trying to fight him for it and stop him from going and. It seems like Ant-Man and Wasp are going to be stuck down here, but then 10 seconds later, oh, we figured out how to get you back. So, you know, no worries. At the end, it's like yeah. nothing really happened, you know? That Absolutely. And that goes back to my stakes issue. It's like, you know, we got these speeches from Kang. We, we now know how big of a threat he is, you know, I suppose. Um, but as far as what happened from beginning to end, everybody is in the same place where they were when it started like mm. you know the this particular story didn't necessarily get us anywhere there's still a kang out there in the quantum realm ant-man still with his family in new york or wherever it was and uh you know it's the same thing um well end of the day i still give this a recommend because it was 
entertaining enough. I wasn't sitting there actively angry at what I was watching, yeah. which I have done with some other superhero movies that have not fallen mm-hmm. into the MCU. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> so eh, I had some laughs. There was some crazy stuff to look at. Oh, we didn't even talk about yeah. Bill Murray. I don't know what he was doing I, in this movie. Yeah. And uh, uh, well, <laughs> it's, it's not the best. It's not the worst. So there you go. Yeah. Well, let's move on from Quantumania because you uh, have a movie that I actually watched a couple of weeks ago, Solid Rock oh, nice. Trust, which I, I actually really enjoyed, um, you know, as far as like this kind of single location thriller um, for people who haven't seen it. The idea is it's all told from the point of view of kind of the uh, the ringleader of this bank heist who uh, you're seeing all of her conversations with the people who are out on the job making it happen and normally that's just a voice on the phone but we're seeing it from the other side of it and is that is that a good uh explanation yeah, of kind it. of thank you there you go and uh it's it's a really really clever setup for this kind of single location thing yeah thanks the other hook is that you know while we we're writing it i was trying to like throw in as much as i could to keep this interesting because i know it's a tough sell i mean this is not mm-hmm. a marvel movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we we had the marvel catering budget for a week to put this one together yeah but sure. uh so what can we put in that you know that's cheap or free um and so one of those things was she has a bunch of different accents that she does and she has a bunch sure. of different languages and she's i mean the the hook is everyone she's talking to doesn't know it's all her so they all think they're right. talking to somebody different and she's playing this putting this facade on that she's multiple different people and none of them have the full story she's the only one who has the full story and then it all goes wrong of course it's a bank heist movie so it has to cops get called we got shootouts we got backstabbings double crossings lots of surprises sure. lots of twists and turns uh except absolutely what you said exactly right it's all from her perspective yeah. and watching her you know try to navigate this ordeal as it gets worse and worse and worse for her yeah <laughs> So you you hold the tension like really well through this thing being, you know, in this one setup. But, um, you know, obviously a lot of the credit has to go on this actress. Uh, Coco Marshall is is her name, right? Yeah, that's right. She's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. W- was she somebody you had worked with before? Or Never. How did nope. uh, that collaboration work we out? We put out a casting call. She was one of the people who showed up for an audition. Her reel was great because it showed her doing the different accents, which, by the way, I showed the script to a bunch of people and they all said, this is great. Super fun. It's fast paced. Exciting but you're never going to find an actress to do this because nobody can do that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And uh, we found her. It was, we actually started to do this um, before COVID hit and then everything got postponed. Okay. So I didn't actually talk to her right after the audition, even though I really liked her uh, because I'm like, what am I going to do? Hey, uh, I'd like to I'd like to do this movie with you some point. I don't really know when, but are you interested? So I just saddled ever changes. Yeah. And waited and waited and waited and called her up. I, I think it was almost a year later, actually said, Hey, you came into audition for this part. I'd like to send you the script and see if you're interested. And she was totally on board. In fact, she brought more accents than were in the script originally, just because she could do wow. more. She said, can I change some of these? I said, yeah, go for it. <laughs> By all means. That's awesome. Um, so she was just great, man. She showed up. She knew all her lines. We could go for minutes at, 10 minute, 10 pages at a time and she would not miss a beat and the room we were in was 95 degrees and 100% humidity and she never had a frown on her face she was just ready to go every day and just a wonderful experience with her wow well you know i want to ask you about like the the idea for this film because like w- was this something that the idea was initially you know to do something like this or was it born out of like trying to do something like on a, a smaller scale uh, both. 
Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, yeah. I wanted to do a single room thing because I love those kind of movies. Every time one pops yeah. up on Netflix, I'm like, dude, I've never heard of this, but I have to do it. I have to watch yeah. this. <laughs> Buried yeah, is a good one. Locke is a good mm-hmm. one. Uh, have you ever seen Grand Piano? I've never heard of that one. Grand oh, it's Piano. a movie I, I didn't know about until just a couple of years ago. It was actually written by Damien Chazelle uh, before he directed anything. Oh, okay. And it's so good. It, oh, it's a you know, single location out. at this concert, and uh, man, it's so good. But uh, yeah, no, I agree, though. I love that kind of genre. You know? um, Cube. You're a sci-fi fan. What do you think about the Cube? Sure. Yeah. Love yeah. those. Um, yeah, so I was like, really. what can I do that's a single room? I thought it'd be interesting if she had a whole bunch of phones, but why would she need to be calling all these people? And then I decided, like Bank Heist movies, there's a lot there to mine. You know, there's a lot of things that happen in a Bank Heist movie that we could play with. And it just sure. seemed like a good fit. So I don't know. It's kind of like a sculpture. You know, you have this idea, but it's a big block. And then you start chipping away at it and throwing in more here, a little more there, a little more there. And soon it starts to feel like something full. And what I really didn't want for it ever to be was boring. And mm. I don't know, tell me, were you ever bored in it? Was there slow spots? I was not, no. Um, I mean, was... we were. I just tried to make it as fast as we could, and something is yeah. changing every 10 to 15 minutes. And so, yeah. you know, if you're starting to get bored or wondering what's happening, just wait, because we're about to flip it on a dime and do something, yeah. you know, go off in a different direction. Well, the funny thing is, is uh, part of the kind of high-wire high act of it is, Will will she be able to pull this off, and will you be able to pull this off? Will you be able to pull the movie yeah, off yeah. at the same time? You know, because it's like like this could go bad at any moment because it's a difficult thing to pull off. But yeah, yeah that tension stays. A lot the of whole people time. have said that actually. They they would say, "Oh, I was scared for you. I was scared for you as the filmmaker. Like, yeah. is this going to be so boring by the end?" <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So yeah, you're right. In fact, one review we had was was talking about how it was partly her, like she steals the show, obviously. She's like the whole thing. But also the director, you know, like they have to be working together and they have to be kind of in step, which I hadn't really realized um, at the time. But I think that is a good description of it. Yeah, it's scary. I mean, it's tough to say I'm going to put all this time and effort into this thing that by all accounts should be the slowest, boringest thing, you know, watching somebody on a phone <laughs> for an hour and a half. But I don't know. I think we put enough in there to keep your attention and take you on a ride. And hopefully at the end of it, you feel like you've like come someplace, you know, like you've gone on a journey, even though yeah, it's basically real time. It's basically 90 real minutes, you know, in this person's right. life. And at the end of it, we feel like we've come so far and we know her so well. But. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, do, do you have anything you're working on right now that you uh, want to mention? Um, I'm always working on Marvel stuff. So of those things, um, no. <laughs> yeah, sure. I can imagine. <laughs> and you can check my IMDb. I usually put it up, you know, whenever um, I'm off the project is when it's allowed. So a couple of things that haven't been released yet. And then let's see, I just edited a documentary that's going to be about the first one of the first American skateboarders in the Olympics, which is a cool, mm-hmm. like, feel-good sports doc about skateboarding. Um, Small-town cool. kid makes good. And then I've got a couple more scripts written. We'll see if I get, you know, another spot on my schedule that's free for a month or two that I could put something together. Um, hopefully, I can come back if that materializes. Yeah, but... absolutely. I-, I would love to have you back. Where can people find Solid Rock Trust and everything else that you're working on? Oh, yeah. Check the show notes. I'll send you the link uh, where, you know, that'll be updated where you can find it. But it's available for free on Tubi. 
you mm-hmm. can do a rental right now on Amazon, on Google Play, and YouTube movies. And then okay. if you're listening to this after June 2023, it will be on YouTube everywhere uh, for free through our distributor. And it will be rolling out to more places soon. But you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, all the social stuff. Cool. Twitter. Awesome. I always uh, end these episodes asking if there's a movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners. Uh, do you have anything that you watched uh, recently? Any new movies? Man, what did I watch recently? Oh, It's man. always the hardest question. Well, you know what? You mentioned Letterboxd, and I'm on that too. Because oh. I love tracking like all my scores and then seeing what I'm usually doing. Mm-hmm. You know what? It's probably all the movies that everyone knows because they're, it's a, a award season right now. Right. So uh, we're all I'll tell you what, catching up. Since we talked about Star Wars, I'm finally watching Star Wars with my kids. Oh, and okay. they're a great revisit, man. It's been fun. I bet. Uh, we watched part one, and the only question my four-year-old had when it was over, which was... How come Chewbacca didn't get a medal? <laughs> there you go. I said, you know what? I don't know. In fact, we've been asking that question for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, that kid's going to have a YouTube channel eventually. But, uh... <laughs> uh, Rick, this was great. Thank you again for being here. And yeah, absolutely. I'd love to have you back again sometime. Thank you for having me on the show. It's been so fun. I loved ripping this movie to pieces with you. <laughs> Or putting it back together, whichever. (laughs) Yeah, and piecing it back together, right? I'm Josh Bell. And I'm Jason Harris, and we co-host a podcast called Awesome Movie Year. Each season, we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. We deep dive into these specific years, and we pick out why they were such great years for films. We go over the biggest hits, the biggest flops, the best picture, and some personal picks, some cult classics. Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984, and we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Thanks to Rick Ives for joining me on that one. Make sure to check out his film, Solid Rock Trust. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, It's a fun film, and I think you should check it out. Uh, also, of course, make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. If you like what we do here on the show with all the puzzle pieces and all that, maybe drop a five-star rating wherever it is you're listening. Also, get in touch with me. Uh, Rick got in touch with me, and here he is talking about Ant-Man with me. If you'd like to maybe guest on an episode of Piecing It Together in the future, there's always movies that I am looking to cover, and I'm always looking for new guests. So get in touch on the socials at PiecingPod or my email address is on the website, piecingpod.com. So get in touch. I love hearing from people. Uh, you can also, of course, check out our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And I told you about the Patreon at the top of the show, but don't forget, produced by David Rosen. Lots of great content. Uh, yeah, let's close this out with a piece of music like I always do. And I got to go weird with this one. So... I'm going to go for a track from my album, A Different Kind of Dream. Uh, I'm going to go with the song Waterfalls in Reverse. This seems like a weird one. That'll fit well. So yeah, let's go with Waterfalls in Reverse from the album, A Different Kind of Dream. Hope you enjoy it. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.